This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Scran, a podcast passionate about Scottish food and drink. This week I'm in the studio and I'm joined by Gabby Souter, the Scotsman restaurant critic. Hello Gabby. Hello there. So later on in this episode I'm going to be going up to the Glen Eagles Hotel in Perthshire. So I'm just wondering, have you eaten there and what did you think? Well, I have. I've eaten there a few times but I've never been to restaurant Andrew Fairley, which I feel really bad about. But, you know, maybe I'll make it one day. I've eaten in their other restaurants, the Strathern and the other steak place, which opened a little while ago, which I've forgotten the name of. Is that the, is it the Bonham? No. No. Try again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Completely forgotten. It's lovely inside anyway. It's the French looking place, yeah? Yes. I know where you are. It's like kind of a more relaxed vibe for Glen Eagles. Um, But yes, it's quite nice all their food things but their breakfast is the best thing I've also never eaten Andrew Fairley so I'm glad I'm not the only one yeah. because I thought everybody had at some point so no it's it's always pre- it was always really booked up but uh, you know maybe I'll make it there one day so uh, speaking of uh, fine dining how do you think that scene has changed in Edinburgh and Scotland overall in the last few years of you doing your job um, I think it's changed quite a lot I used to do quite a few reviews where they'd be like long tasting menus and you know white linen on the tables but I think it's changed to it's, it's more casual now lots of sharing plates and and small plates I suppose which I'm quite relieved about because I never really liked the tasting menus anyway <laughs> it's always a bit of a marathon and endurance test to do like eight courses and be stared at by by the waitress and uh, you know it's, I, I quite like the more casual style and most of the fine dining places I think are in hotels these days it's like Glen Eagles or you know uh, the Balmoral or the Caledonian that's kind of where they exist and you don't see a lot of new fine dining places opening up Um, it's a a more casual style Uh, so you know there's the ones that have been around for years and years like the Peton and uh, but there aren't loads of new ones, new versions popping up. I think people tend to go for a more casual style now. So that's good with me. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the uh, the Pompiter and the Caledonia Hotel shut down recently. Yeah, I know. I was really sad about that. And that, that might be part of it. I mean, I guess Mark Greenaway is downstairs and uh, his last place, Bistro Modern, was kind of smarter than what he's doing now and he's also moved into a more casual kind of style and maybe that's why they closed down which was really sad because it was such a great place and you know it's still nice to have kind of the traditional fine dining establishment for for a special treat but yeah I think the crowds are going to the more casual places like you know the lookout or 
and they want more of an experience tied in to their meal without too much formality or or stress. Which is why I suppose something like Six by Nico's done quite well because that is all about the, it's very Instagram friendly, it's uh, an experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, if somebody can, you know, package it up into an experience and you get to tell your friends about it um, and it's quite relaxed. Although I guess that they do a tasting menu there, but it's very, you know, very relaxed and served quite quickly. So it's not like you're going to be in the restaurant for four hours like you might do with a traditional fine dining uh, restaurant you have to kind of take a sleeping bag and (laughs) (laughs) move in yeah and get home at 11 o'clock and you know it's it's a bit more casual and do you think because of that that um, fine dining or dining in general dining out has become more accessible to younger people Uh, yeah I I find it hard to tell because you know I I'm not sure I've always sort of seen people younger eating out but I guess there's more than but it's hard to tell if it's just because I'm older and they look younger <laughs> or or if they actually are getting younger but I, th- I think so and I think like yeah there's value t- I think people like collect new restaurants as well and if there's a buzz about somewhere yeah so people will go to a restaurant and then they want to tell their friends about it and say that they've been as well then I suppose uh, fine dining does work in somewhere like Glen Eagles purely because the setting like you're, you're yeah. going there for an experience which is kind of higher end, which is why, I mean, I guess. Yeah, and a lot of people will be there for anniversaries or birthdays. You know, it's part of the package to stay over and go and have amazing food somewhere really, really plush. Um, you know, but they, I guess they've had to change things as well because some of their their newer eating place is a bit more casual than the last one. So um, I think it's just people want to be able to just order anything and do brunch and that's a lot more popular now as well and it's just an easier way of eating out. I guess people are more time starved as well. You don't really want to commit to a really long long meal. You just want to like be able to pop in and have what you want and, and leave. I'm going to find out the name of that restaurant hold on because it's going to bug me. The other one in Glen Eagles. Is it, uh, I feel like it does begin with B. Burnham. Burnham. Yeah. You're right, <laughs> I knew it was in there somewhere. <laughs> the Burnham Brasserie, that's it. That's it. I gave it quite a bad review when I went, so I won't say anything bad. <laughs> so, um, I, so I'm off to speak to Simon Attridge, who is the executive chef for um, the Strathairn, the Strathairn sorry, and the, as we now know, Burnham restaurant. Yes. Uh, Bistro. And... I didn't realise actually you covered both of them, so it's obviously quite a full-on job. And you've been up there and enjoyed the breakfast at the Strathairn. Um, yes. Is that something that you would recommend? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been a little while since I was last in Glen Eagles, but it's the best breakfast I've ever had. Wow. And, well, maybe just because of the volume of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to kind of do the three-course breakfast. You've got to go and have smoked salmon and then you, you can have some burger muesli and some fruit and then you've got to do the pastries. So that's just the law there that you have to have a three-course breakfast. It's the best. I'd like to know, you can ask him if the staff get to finish all the remains of the breakfast. Oh, that would be good to know. Yeah. yeah, there must be a lot of leftovers. <laughs> yeah. I like I think I always imagine that the staff at Glen Eagles would eat pretty well behind the scenes, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they scrape it into the bin. Who knows? Oh no, no. I think they probably eat it, especially it looks so good. So yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Very good. Okay, well thanks for coming in today, Cammy. Thank you for having me. 
As I said, I'm here today at the fabulous Glen Eagles Hotel with Simon Attridge. Hi, Simon. Hi, Rosalind. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for your time today because I know you'll be very busy. The hotel looks like it's quite full. So if we just get started off, obviously, as I've said, you're the executive chef here at Glen Eagles, but how did you get started in the hospitality industry? I started in the hospitality from a very young age. My dad, he was the managing director of a couple of hotels. Um, from a very young age, I was around the hotel. I actually learnt to walk by pulling myself up on the beer pumps. Um, so it was always in, in my blood, I guess. And um, as a young lad, I used to work part-time um, as a waiter. And then it went on from there to a, a love for cooking. I ended up working at the local golf club as well. And a, quite, a, quite a good chef. He had three rosettes um, as a head chef. Started working there and doing a la carte nights. Um, and then that really got my appetite for fine dining. And then it really went from there. And how long have you been at Glen Eagles? I've been at Glen Eagles for two and a half years now. So August 2017 was when I started. And have you always kind of overseen the all the dining outlets apart from Andrew Fairley? Um, yeah, at Glen Eagles, um, I've, I've oversee everything, all the food offer, like you say, apart from Andrew Fairley's. In my younger career, I was more of a restaurant chef, um, which is where I started out. And then I wanted to diversify and got into the events, the private dining and all the things that come to be, you know, to fulfill my ambition of being the executive chef of a five star hotel. And um, are you, you're not from Scotland, no? No, I'm from um, Rygate. Um, it's in Surrey, just outside London. So um, just down the road. So yeah, <laughs> but this must be a bit different. Do you find it's a different kind of vibe in this sort of? Because it's although it's near Edinburgh and Glasgow, it's kind of like the countryside, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a very different lifestyle to living just outside London. I worked in London for a long time and a couple of other places around the world. But um, the opportunity came up at Glen Eagles. Um, it's an iconic hotel, so I couldn't obviously couldn't say no. And I, I came up and had a look at it and fell in love with the place. And and we went from there. And it was it was. Uh, and here I am, two and a half years later. And do you find like this kind of setting with the sort of local produce and I assume like game and things you can get from the Highlands, do you find that that sort of helps influence when you're designing the menu and cooking? Yeah, absolutely. All of our menus where we can, seasonal, local produce. Um, obviously being in Scotland, we have an amazing lard all around us and, and that's what we base our menus on. We base them on that and also obviously the customer, what they want to eat. Because Glen Eagles is such a, obviously a large establishment, we have so many different offers. Every restaurant has its own um identity which which we try to keep so we have the fine dining in the Strathern we have the French Brasserie in the Burnham we have the, the golf club which is more tandoor pizza ovens and, and golf club classics so a really really good mix of um, food but based on obviously loca- locality seasonality um, and then with the flavours that we need to add to that. And you say you also focus on what customers want. Do you have you found over the years that things have changed quite drastically in terms of dietary requirements and things like veganism and and is that do you find that sort of has become easier to cater to or? Um, I think people are, yes definitely more definitely more aware of all the different dietaries and and things like veganism. We we do have you know we have such a wide customer base. Obviously we we want to meet and we do meet all of all the dietary requirements that come our way. And um, you'll see it more and more, obviously, in the public domain as well. I mean, people are more aware of what they're eating, where it's from, sustainability. So, um, so we 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 keep up to date with all of all of those things. Going uh, back a bit before you came here, you received a Michelin star at the age of twenty-five. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, and what did that feel like? And do you find that awards like that put on put chefs under a lot of pressure? Because a few years ago, I remember there was a chef who wanted to kind of give his back because it was a bit too much. So, what what were your feelings towards that, and how do you feel about it now? 
Yeah, I mean, at that time in my life, um, I, I was working in a, in a small sort of 35 cover restaurant. Um, and, and the want was um, by the owners and myself to achieve a Michelin star, which I, I was lucky enough and um, fortunate enough to do at such a young age, which was obviously a lot of hard work over the year, a lot of a lot of pressure on yourself to firstly to, to, to get the Michelin star. But then obviously after that, there's also a huge pressure, a huge pressure to keep it. I think award, awards are great, um, but I also think uh, they can be very subjective. Ultimately, as a chef, um, you have to be happy with what you're cooking, what you're producing. And I think you'd, you'd much rather have, or I, I personally would, and, and we would at Glenigan, have happy customers and a successful business than an award in itself. The awards often come as a byproduct of having a successful business and happy customers. But I think that's the most important thing. You've travelled quite a lot with your work, but what is the most exotic place that um, your job's taken you? Is, is that after Scotland? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've been um, fortunate enough. You know, it's a great career if you, if you get into hospitality, um, both from a front of house and, and as a chef, and it opens up lots of opportunities. So shortly after I won the Michelin Star, which definitely opened a lot of doors, I went to Shanghai in China um, and I worked for the Shangri-La Hotel. Um, I opened a new restaurant there called Jade on 36 with a, uh, a very well-known French chef who now has three Michelin stars called Paul Perret. Um, I was working for him at the Shangri-La and then I also worked for Shangri-La again for a second time in my career. I was opening the Shard in London, which got, got delayed by a few months. So um, I had the opportunity to go and work in Abu Dhabi at the property out there. So um, I've worked in um, a couple of places abroad, which have been very nice. And, and like I say, now I'm in um, Scotland. Which is obviously really exotic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually, I've been to the Shangri-La, up the Shard, up the Shard, <laughs> and um, Abu Dhabi, because I used to live in Dubai. So okay. yeah, they're lovely, really nice restaurants yeah. and really, really nice, nice hotels as well. No, the Shangri-La, lovely, lovely group of hotels. I've got them, obviously, um, the majority of them are in Asia, but now they've sort of diversified a bit and there's a little bit in Europe and in other places around the world. But yeah, they're in a very nice group and um, are good people to work for. So apart from all the travelling, what might surprise people about your job? Um, I guess from here, people obviously is a, is a big place at Glen Eagles, but we've got about 100 chefs around the resort, which is obviously quite a, a, lot, of, a lot of people to look after. And then on top of that, have about 40 stewards back of house. And I guess really the diversity of what a modern day chef is, it's not just cooking and food, it's the management side of things, meetings, organisation, guest interaction, training, strategy, and the planning and the detail in everything that we do. So not it's a lot of cooking, but also a lot of just admin and things? Yeah, no, there is a, there's an admin side and an office side to it. I'm, I still love cooking, um, even, even though obviously my role as the executive chef, a lot of that is behind the scenes and, and the planning and the organisation, but you still find me in the kitchen um, an awful lot of the time. Uh, and what's been uh, your career highlight so far, apart from moving to Scotland, obviously? <laughs> <laughs> career highlights, um, I, I guess I've had, had a couple. It'd be very hard just to, to, to pull out one. I've been cooking for about 20 years now. Michelin star at 25 was, was most definitely one of them. I've been involved in quite a few high-profile openings in Shanghai, London, the Shard. Um, I also worked in the private banking world for um, for a period of time with um, Barclays, moving on to Goldman Sachs, which was a new opening, and then an opening um, UBS, the Bank of Switzerland's new so 10,000 uh, capacity building just behind Liverpool Street. So again, that was a very exciting project. And, you know, obviously we have to talk about Glen Eagles here, but no, the opportunities we have here, as a, as a business and an estate is just you know it's fantastic and the fact that we look after all the all the food across the whole business apart from Andrew Fairley's 
and it's a, a big team effort here so it's definitely one of the highlights and um, I was fortunate enough last year to win a Katie um, for Hotel Chef of the Year so again that would be up there. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so the just go back the Strathairn which is the um, fine dining outlet has been described as an experience from a bygone era and personally I think when you walk in there it's almost like you're on some no, like the Titanic sounds wrong but you know what I mean it's got like that kind of like 1920s you could be on like a really grand boat it's really lovely but if for anyone that's not been here before what can diners expect when eating there? I think I think like you say it's um, and I think it's how the whole, the whole hotel since um, since Ennismore bought the business sort of four and a half years ago the whole hotel has been now fully refurbished but in was keeping still the original, the feel of the business. So yeah, I think, you know, the, it was originally called the dining room. Um, there's nearly a hundred years of heritage and, and history in that room. And although we had a big, a big refurbishment in um, the beginning of last year, beginning of 2019, we, um, I think all of that, that feel and, and, um, and look in the bit in the, in the restaurant has been kept. So um, what people can expect there. Yeah, the glamour, it's a dining experience as well as just food. It's, you know, it's about the whole surroundings and obviously the service. Great seasonal Scottish produce with, with great service, um, interaction in a beautiful room um, and, you know, full of hospitality experiences. And you mentioned the service, which is described as, and correct me if I'm wrong, okay. Ger- Gerardin? Gerardin, yeah, that's correct. That's very good. <laughs> You can tell I didn't take French. Um, so what what is that for anyone that uh, doesn't know? Yep, so in simple terms, Garadon services is basically preparing food directly in front of the guest, which is something the restaurant since since its opening has been been very well known for. And we didn't want to just take any of that away. That's you know, There's not many restaurants in in the UK, in the world, that still do Garadon service. And um, we, we had a big refresh when we refurbished the restaurant and we have everything now from a bread trolley to a to a healthy salad trolley to smoked salmon carved at the table. We do seven different roasts, one every day of the week. We have our steak Strathern, which is a version of steak Diane, Caledonian crepes, which likewise is is a mod, um, a version of crepe Suzette. I'm using Scottish produce, so using gin. Uh, and then we do a cheese trolley as well. So there's lots of um, elements there that, for interaction and, and as an experience. So it's not just three courses of food and, and thank you very much. There's there's lots of guest interaction there. Lots of trolleys. Lots of trolleys. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, there's lots of trolleys. And we had those, we had all the trolleys um, made to specification and they're all multi-purpose. So, um, so it works well. So was that quite a common kind of service thing back when the hotel opened in the 20s and it's just did it just kind of fall out of fashion or um i think it's more to with the grand dining rooms um there are there are other places in the uk you know the ritz would be an example that, that still do some garrett service and a number of other restaurants but but not many but i think it's you know it's a really a really nice touch to, to have in the restaurant and you mentioned the refurbishment, which I think is, is it finished now or is there still a little bit ongoing? Um, we've still, at this current time, we've got about 50 bedrooms. The last 50 bedrooms are being refurbished and they'll be back in back in action in a couple of months. And then that's really, I don't think that it will ever stop, but that's all the outlets of the hotel that have been refurbished now as well. How have the dining um, offerings changed since the refurbishment? So dining offerings, um, if, if we go through them, we when I first started, the, the Dormy, the golf club was the first to be refurbed putting in there we had tandoor ovens before but we've got tandoor ovens um beautiful pizza oven and then the clubhouse classics um just before i started the burnham was refurbished which used to be a bit more of an open plan 
it wasn't a buffet, but it was an open plan. It had like a meat and a fish stand in the old Desio. Um, so that's really now a, a French brasserie with some Italian influence as well. And then we've got the Strathern, which the actual, the concept hasn't changed, but we just, we looked at everything we did, wanted to improve everything we were doing and, and modernised a few things, upgraded the trolleys, upgraded the crockery, the cutlery, but keeping the same feel that that the restaurant has always had. We're lucky with Ennismore, our interior designers are all in-house, so they have a real emotional connection um, with the business and they're taking inspiration from railway travel, which came, again came from the 1920s and, and forward from there where most of the guests came up from London. Um, and it's always our ambition to always elevate our, our food offer and restaurants, our private dining offer and everything in all areas. Uh, and to go back to um, the local produce that I mentioned here, do you have a favourite um, Scottish ingredient to cook with? Oh, there's, there's so many. But I think, um, you know, from a, from a seafood side of things, um, I, I could name lots, but scallops and langostina would be two of my personal favourites. Um, it's also the year of Coast and Waters 2020 for Scotland. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think they'd be two very, very, very good examples. Obviously, where Scotland is celebrating everything that that's good about that. From a meat perspective, again, likewise, you know, it's some of the best in the world, the Tweed Valley beef that we buy and, and also our, our wild venison. Um, and it's great to have those relationships with our suppliers that we work very closely with. Uh, and off the back of the ingredients, uh, do you have a favourite dish on any of the menus? <laughs> favourite dish? Um, they change through the year with the seasons. I think... Something that really has stayed on in the Strathern would be our venison main course. Um, it's, it's wild venison loin with a little uh, crispy bonbon of the brace haunch. Then it's got like a chocolate emulsion, some cherry, a smoked almond granola, a little bit of um, beautiful mashed potato, and then just finished off with a gruel-infused sauce. So that's that dish has been a bit of a mainstay on the on the Strathern menu um, since we've opened. So I guess that would be it. And although um, you don't you. It's not that you don't take in to do with Andrew Fairley, it's a separate outlet. Do you do you ever work together and be influenced by each other or is it very, very separate? I think, uh, you know, we, we, we have shared working spaces, so we have good relationships, obviously, um, within the business. They have obviously one of the best restaurants, the only two Michelin star restaurant in Scotland and do um, a nice amount of covers in the restaurant. And um, yeah, we have we have good relationships. There's always hellos. There's always chatting in the corridors, in the ki- in the kitchens. Um, so yeah, we do. We have a great working relationship. And do you guys dine in each other's restaurants? We definitely, we definitely do. That's a good perk. <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely do. Um, it's always nice to see. Obviously, it's nice to eat out everywhere. And you know, we're very lucky that we've got Scotland's only two Michelin star restaurant in the hotel. So yeah, we do. I'm not in there every week, but I do like <laughs> to go. <laughs> Um, so speaking of uh, sort of d- uh, dining and collaborations, um, the, you've recently started the Strathairn series in which you welcome a range of guest chefs into the kitchen for a specially created dinner. Why did you decide to do this and how did you choose who to invite into the kitchen? It was we, when, we refurbished the, um, when we refurbished the Strathairn, we've got a beautiful space which is primarily used for breakfast, but we wanted to, to use it also as a chef's table. So we've got a lovely cooking range in there. And um, it's a re- it's a really beautiful space. It can be nice for breakfast. It can be nice in the evening. And we were thinking of ways how we could make it make more use of it. And then I came up. I thought it would be a nice idea to to maybe open this up to do. I think collaborations are good for everybody. It's good for the team here. It's good for for some young chefs. And I thought, why, why don't we look at seeing if we can do a couple of dinners with with some either local chefs or friends of Glen Eagles. And, um, and collaborate. Um, and that's really where it came from. I think it's so hard, especially you'll see from our first series that all, all the chefs are from um, from small independently owned restaurants. And um, we've got Roberta, Graham and Scott who, who all work in um, small restaurants in Edinburgh. 
And then um, the, the fourth one is a, a chap called Sam Carter who's got his, uh, he used to be my head chef in, um, in UBS, but he has his own uh, small restaurant in Cambridge. So it's really just, just to give them a little help up the ladder, a little bit of publicity, um, because it is tough out there to, to operate and own, own your own restaurant. And, and that's really where the idea came from. Good for the brigade here to see something different, share those experiences and, and, ha- and have a good night for our customers. The first series has gone very well. We're ha- halfway through and we've got some dates later in the year. Um, Chef Store TBC to be confirmed, but we've got three more dates later in the year where we will do a second series. Nice, that's good. Um, and I was at the first one, which was um, lovely. And the space is really nice as well. It's a bit like... If Downton Abbey's kitchen was modern day, <laughs> that's that nice feel. <laughs> like it's it is lovely. It looks huge and it looks like it should be in like a grand house, but it's also really modern. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a lovely lovely cooking range, um, and it's a nice intimate experience. Twelve guests, and the idea is to have some fun, interaction, talk to the guest, talk to the chefs, chefs talk to the customers, nice wine pairing. And really, just eat some good seasonal Scottish produce and ha- and have a good evening. And it also gives us the chance, as well, obviously collaborating with these chefs um, and, and sharing a menu to do things a little bit different to maybe what we normally do. So, it's um, very interesting. Um, so, because obviously this hotel has been around for a really long time and is very well known, this is probably a stupid question. But have you cooked for any famous faces that you can talk about? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I mean, we, we obviously we have a number of high-profile guests here, both both wealthy and famous. So I don't think we talk about any names. But recently, I guess we had the Solheim Cup, um, which was obviously a great experience for all of us here, cooking for the best female golfers in the world. Um, we worked very closely with the head of nutrition from Sports Scotland obviously, which had a contribution to helping Europe win. And, um, and we looked after the athletes for that. So that was a really, a really good experience last September. I guess, you know, yeah, in my career, I've cooked for lots of different famous people. There was one night in, in Abu Dhabi, which was a, a little bit nerve wracking. There was, um, it was when the Grand Prix was on and there was a, a very eclectic mix of famous, wealthy, sporty people in the restaurant. It was a, almost every other table. So that was quite a, quite an interesting evening. That sounds good. <laughs> stressful, but good. Uh, yeah, a little bit stressful, but but it was all good. Uh, so if when you're not in the kitchen, what would you say has been your favourite ever meal and where did you have it? Um, I think I could probably, I've, I've been fortunate enough to eat in a lot of a lot of good restaurants um, all around the world, but I think two really do stick out in my mind. Um, one, I was in on holiday in, in Burgundy. Probably the most mind-blowing I've had was the Fat Duck. Um, I used to work for Heston for a couple of years back in 2003, 2004, and um, so I've been lucky enough to go to the Fat Duck several times over over the last year. I think I've probably been four or five times in sort of the last 17 years to really see it evolve. But yeah, the Fat Duck 2017, just as a whole, as a whole, not just a good food, but as a dining experience was definitely the one that the one that sticks with me. Did you have to cook anything weird at Heston's? You know how there's like snail porridge and stuff and yeah, it's not that, actually... Yeah, was in the original <laughs> days. The original <laughs> days of snail porridge and things like that. I was actually, I was the head chef of uh, the Riverside Brasserie, which was the first time we owned a second restaurant outside of the Fat Duck, which was just around the corner in the marina. Um, obviously working very closely with the Fat Duck, all the same principles and techniques. So yeah, there were some, there were some strange things going on in those days. And they've evolved <laughs> now, but all very tasty. Yeah, because it's never, I mean, I, I say this like I've been, I've never been, but I listen to a podcast with them and it's never what you think. So it's not actually snail porridge, is it? It's just the sort of 
or it's not what was it it wasn't actually porridge but it was or it wasn't actually snail um no there, there was some there was some snails in the snail porridge um i think there was also there was another dish he did which was um where he had the orange jelly and the beetroot jelly yeah um which were different colors so you had a golden beetroot and a blood orange so that the colors match went the other way which was a little bit confusing for some people so but that was all part of the, the whole experience when obviously heston was was working around not just flavors but um you know, uh, things such as other things that can influence what you feel you're tasting, you know, your other senses. So it was really, really interesting times. Obviously, Heston is a super nice chap and um, very interesting to work for for a couple of years. So that was all then. What is What are your plans for 2020? Well, I guess um, this is the first year at Glen Eagles um, since I've been here where uh, no outlet's been refurbished. So we're going to consolidate from there. Um, continue as we do with innovation, developing the product and, and the team. And really our aim at, from a culinary perspective well, as a hotel as well is to be the best in class at whatever we do. So whether that be a fine dining meal in the Strathurn or a sandwich in the Garden Cafe, they're really our aims. A couple of collaborations to keep the F&B off for fun and showcase the finest product um, through the year. Things such as our seafood shack pop-up that we do out on the lawn, August Bank Holiday. Um, we're doing an Indian one this year as well, Indian street food. And then looking a little bit further ahead, we've got the Glen Eagles Townhouse opening in 2021 in Edinburgh. Oh, do you know the actual date? Um, not the exact date, no. 2021. That's good, because I've been kind of trying to keep my eye on that and just sort of, yeah, seeing if I could get the scoop on it. But no, that's good. To, <laughs> 2021. <laughs> it's good to know it's not imminently happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got um, a little while yet. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're going to move on to the section of the podcast, which is Desert Island drinks or drams, but I think we're going to go for drinks. Yeah. Uh, so if you could take three drinks onto Desert Island with you, what would they be and why? Um, I guess water to cleanse the soul. Um, water to cleanse the soul. Um, from a wine perspective, we'd have to take some red and white so we could stick with burgundy. Um, and being Scottish, I think a Glendronic 21-year-old whiskey. That should keep us going for the day. Nice. And you're one of the few people who have recently who've mentioned water. A lot, a lot of folk were like, oh, three alcoholic <laughs> drinks. And then <laughs> you're like, that's fine. It's all about balance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then finally, uh, we've got a section called My Life and Food, which is some quick fire questions. Uh, so I'll just ask you them if you come back to me with your sort of first answer that comes into your head. Yep. That's okay. So you ready? Yeah. Uh, so what food brings back childhood nostalgia? Roast dinner on a Sunday with the family. Uh, if you were to cook a meal for yourself in an hour, what would it be? Ribeye steak, chips, grill garnish and Bernays sauce. What's your food guilty pleasure? Dairy milk. Uh, you're in a bar at 1am, what do you order? Gin and tonic by then probably. Is there any specific gin? Karun. Uh, if you knew it was going to be your last ever meal, what would you choose? It would have to be, I think, go back to the Sunday roast. Roast beef, Yorkshire pudding, roast potatoes. Right back to the start. It's like your childhood memories. Yeah, I think so. That and probably apple pie for dessert. Oh, that's great. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. You can download Scran wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review Scran and help other listeners discover us too. This is a Laudable production for The Scotsman. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following on Twitter where we are at Laudable Pods and Instagram by searching Laudable underscore podcasts.